2: Javier, what is the thumbs down celebration after a big hit mean?
1: Just the booze that we get you know we like we're not we're not machines we're gonna
2: struggle you know we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna struggle seven times out of, out of ten and and you know it just it just feels bad when 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 we strike out when I strike out and I get boo you know it doesn't really get to me but like i want I want to let them know that when we success we're gonna do the same thing to to know how to to let them know how how it feels you know because if we win together, then we we gotta lose together, you know. And 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 the fans are really big part of it. So, um, in my case, they they gotta be better, you know. I I play for the fans and I love the fans, but you know if if they're gonna do that, they they just put more pressure on the team, and and that's not that's not what we want. <laughs>
3: It's another edition of the Talking Mets Podcast here on this Sunday, August the 29th, 2021. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Send me a tweet, at Mike Silva Media, and you get the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at com. No G, Mike Silva at com. Well, welcome into another edition of the show, and before I get to the big news, let's get to the big news. No, the big news is not what you heard coming in, Javier Baez calling out the fans. No, it's not Jerry Kuzman's number being retired. No, it's not a cool guest that we're going to have, and I will have a cool guest, and I'll give you an idea in just a moment. It's that we're now available on Amazon Music. Yes, Amazon reached out last week said, would you like to be a part of our music, the podcasting portion of the Amazon Music Store? We are now in it. Go to Amazon Music, search for Talking Match. You should see it. It's in there. I saw the link. What is it going to do for us? I don't know, but I am humbled and honored to be part of the Amazon Music portion of uh, the podcast sphere, and it's all because of you guys, for your listening, for everything that you do, for the engagement and what have you. Now, uh, this show, uh, I have a guest coming up in just a bit. I had a chance to catch up with him before the game today. Steve Keen, longtime Mets fan, had a very popular blog for a long time called Cranepool Society, at Cranepool on Twitter. doesn't really blog anymore. He's just an average fan like everybody else. But somebody who had a chance to watch Jerry Kuzman pitch, and it, a different voice, Steve and I go back a long way. I mean, when he was doing blogging even before I got involved in this craziness. And when the Mets used to invite members of the independent media, uh, the late Shannon Ford, who spearheaded that, Steve and I uh, struck up a friendship at those meetings, and we had some really fun times. And a lot of the things you see going on now as the Mets are trying to reconnect with uh, their history and the fans, and that's interesting that I bring that up because this whole intro is taking a different turn after what happened in the post game today after the Mets beat the Nationals. But what you're seeing with the Mets trying under this new ownership to reconnect with their history is a way to make the experience and build a more uh, cohesive community for Mets fans and whatnot. Funny that I bring that up because this show and when I talked to Steve, none of the comments made by Javier Baez were anywhere, any, anywhere on our mind and it would have probably changed our segment a little bit. But I think a lot of what we said and did it could connect to that. If And I had a chance to go to the game yesterday. Now, I could go and I could probably push the Mets to get a, a press pass. And it's a field pass now. It used to be you yeah, had the locker room and the field pass. And if you were at the little kid's table, they put you on the field pass. And all the real media, the beat riders were all out in the clubhouse. Well, those days are over. Everybody's down on the field. So maybe they wouldn't let me down on the field. But I, I for what I do here is I try to stay independent as I try to bridge the gap between the media and the fans and the team and really use whatever resources I have in this humble little show to bring it all together and give you a strong opinion and then let you decide what you like and what you don't like. Um, Going to the game as a fan and experiencing City Field for the first time in two years, I haven't been to a game since June of 2019, uh, was the best way to do it. And I can tell you I thought the ceremony was great. I thought the crowd is decent. For the most part, I think, and and I haven't been at any games until Saturday, what you're getting right now, at least on this Saturday night, is you have a a stadium that's full with the exception of the outer uh, upper tank, the upper deck, upper tank, like uh, Keith Hernandez says, where people in those corners really aren't there. So those are probably portions of the ballpark that you'll see uh, during a playoff game or something. I mean, why sit in those seats, which aren't great, when you have – Tons of opportunities with apps, at MLB.tv, and great big screen TVs, all affordable, uh, all at your fingertips, quite literally. And, uh, you know, look, it's going to cost you a hell of a lot less. 25 bucks to park, you know, seats are going to be between, depending where you sit, you know, you can get seats as cheap as $10. But, you know, sometimes they run 100 hundred, two hundred $200 or plus. You know, if you want to get a good seat, go into one of those clubs, bring your family, whatever. It's a long, it's a long night. You know, I didn't get home till almost midnight, but a great ceremony. I thought the Mets did a nice job long overdue with Jerry Kuzman. And I think when Mike Piazza introduced Kuzman, I think the key of that introduction is really where I want to go here, where it is critically important for the Mets to do a better job with their Hall of Fame, with bringing back players from their history, with honoring the right players. Not everybody should get their number retired. I think we'd all agree the next number retired is probably David Wright. I mean, that's my guess. It's the one that makes the most sense. Uh, But there's tons of players, and I'll talk about that with Steve, whether it be Carlos Beltran, Howard Johnson, David Cohn, Al Leiter, Sid Fernandez, that probably could be in the Mets Hall of Fame. I had a friend of mine that called me a couple of weeks ago and said he brought his son to a Mets game during the last time the Nats were in town, right before the the 13 games from hell against the Giants and the Dodgers. And he said his son really enjoyed the Mets Hall of Fame, especially going to the 86 trophy. But he was like, well, it's so pathetic. They only have two trophies. And I stopped him. And I said, stop there. That's the problem. Look, the Cubs have over 100 years of history. Mets have more World Series than them, right? They hadn't won in over 100 years when they won in 2016. I don't think the Cubs are any less of a team in terms of history and enjoying history and enjoying the players throughout their history than, uh, you know, before 2016 than they are now. That's the problem. Baseball is an intimate sport. You have the longness of each game, the longness of the season, the casual, easy nature of whether you listen to it on radio or on TV. And there are so many characters and, and connections that, bring people together, you know, baseball and and sports in general, especially doing something like this, has introduced me to a world of people that I'd never know. And players you draw a connection to and learn from and enjoy, not because they necessarily win a championship or a pennant with the team, but because they were good players or they had personality or they hustled or you liked their style, whatever. There's a lot of reasons. I mean, uh, most of you could probably name a player on the Mets listening to this that you liked at a different era or a different time in your life that somebody else wouldn't even be thinking of. Not even somebody that would show up on the top 10 in wins above replacement, batting average home runs on any list, but you like them because of a reason. And I'm not saying bring back every Tom, Dick, and Harry, for lack of a better word, but the Mets should start to do a better job. And I think, and Piazza was on this show a couple of times over the last couple of years, has talked about his involvement with the alumni, I think there's a lot of work there to be done. I think there's more work to be done. It'd be nice to see some of the more contemporary players uh, like a David Wright potentially getting getting involved and what have you because, you know, look, uh, he's not a Hall of Famer. Mike Piazza is the only living Hall of Famer left now that Tom Seavers passed, but he is probably going to go down uh, for a while at least as the he's homegrown and he's the best positional homegrown player In team history, arguably, you could talk about Strawberry, but I think what happened in Strawberry's life and where he is in his life makes it where right is probably more appropriate. With that said, it was not a toxic or negative environment. There was some booing early on of the team when they didn't score early on, and there was a few clowns out there potentially using bad language in the crowd and whatnot, but I've been to plenty of environments at the old Shea Stadium, specifically, Uh, especially in those early 90s, worst team money can buy. Negative, negative, toxic atmospheres. But I do think, and and I'll tie this into the bias comment, where it looks like this Mets team, which has collapsed here in August, lost 13 games to the Braves, really ran out of gas, um, collapsed under the weight and pressure of really having to be perfect, mainly because the offense has so severely underperformed. The crazy thing about the Mets since 2018, 2018, and this is very similar this year, they had a horrible, like, 1962 Mets-type June, and that did them in for that season. They played pretty well the rest of the year, actually played very well. I think they had the best record in the NL East in the second half that year, and they used that to build a 2019 team that had an historically bad bullpen and missed the playoffs, and really Edwin Diaz was probably the reason for them missing the playoffs, Last year, the pandemic season, a lot of crazy stuff happened. We know that wasn't a great team with between injuries and opt-outs and you know short schedule and whatnot. But going into this year, I thought they had a team that was very much on paper. Uh, a team that could compete with Atlanta and Philadelphia and the National League East. Now, Atlanta has done remarkable work losing their best offensive player, going out, fortifying their team, showing their uh, versatility and their farm system and the things that I think the Mets are building up. And I think with a farm system now that has a year under their belt to show some of the talent that's out there, I think they'll be in a better place next year to make an acquisition, you know, the Tier 2 prospects that everybody's going to want. That's going to be the new buzzword, watch. Tier 2 prospects, need Tier 2 prospects on every deal because every buzzword comes out there as we create justification for jobs and whatnot. But Javier ba- Baez, as you heard coming into the program, basically said, and I saw the thumbs down, and last time I saw a thumbs down cheer on the base uh, pads after a hit, the Yankees did it about four years ago, I think in their 2017 run. I think Todd Frazier may have even started it when that Mets fan did the thumbs down in the crowd. I thought kind of they were just doing that, you know, for whatever. But apparently they're doing it to message the fans, say, hey, you know, you don't like us, you don't think we're any good, uh, thumbs down to you. Now, that's a dangerous thing because... When you take on the fans, you always lose. I will say this. If that's what they need to rally and play as well as they can, whatever. So be it. It's a dangerous way to go about it. Uh, Definitely picking on the fans and taking on the fans. And Baez has been here about five minutes. uh, But I don't really have a problem with it. And I will tell you this, and I said this on Twitter, that there is a toxic portion of this fan base. I think mainly it hangs out on Twitter. And I have to say, I'm not at every game. I'm not sure how much of Twitter is the real world. I always say Twitter is a small subset of the real world. WFN callers are a small subset of the real world. But because of the nature of the media and social media and clickbaiting, I mean, here we get today, we have a, a reporter from The Athletic LOLing the Mets over Noah Syndergaard testing positive for COVID. I'm like, really? That's so, well, okay, Mets did what? That's like, I think that's their first player all year that's tested positive. So um, I I think there's a toxic portion of this fan base that creates a lot of tension at the ballpark, puts a negative atmosphere. I've said for years at times, I thought City Field, for as good of a home field it's been and how great it was during the postseason, especially in 2015 and for the one game playoff in 2016, there's all that tension and negativity that works against the team. Where you have a fan base that's waiting for the roof to cave in. It goes back to what I told you was the ultimate challenge here for anybody taking over. What Steve Cohen's challenge is, what Zach Scott's challenge is, whoever, if they bring a baseball, a president of baseball operations in, is that this is a fan base that is around the same type of. Mindset as those Red Sox teams prior to 2004, like around 2000, 2001, what have you. But here's what I would say to the fans you have a right to boo, you have a right to be angry. I think some of your anger is irrational. I hear people chanting Rojas must go, fire Rojas yesterday. And if I questioned any one of them as to why, not one of them would give you a good answer other than they want to tar and feather somebody. We're very good at getting angry and beating people with sticks when we don't get what we want. When a team underperforms, it makes us feel like garbage. Who do we beat up? Oh, throw all 25 guys out. Well, that's just that's like when your parents, when your kids say, if you don't stop, I'm going to throw you from this moving car. Oh, really? Are you really going to do that? Probably not. So I'm not Pollyannish here, and I'm not saying that teams have to be cheered and applauded for bad play. I think booing, and my issue with booing, it has to go back to effort and putting out the effort out there on the field. Booing a team because a closer gives up a grand slam home run in the ninth inning or he walks the bases loaded, that's just bad play. I think the Mets have gone out there, have competed every night, have lost a ton of tough games, have had hitters that either are having career-worst years or maybe aren't as good as we think they are. And you want to say Javi Baez came over here advertised uh, as a much better player than he is. That's probably true, and I think we've seen why Javi Baez is who he is. You know, you always look at guys from afar, and then when they come and they play in your uniform and you see them every day, four A-Bs a day, or every fifth start, or out of the bullpen every other day, you start to say, well, now I see where they weren't perfect. Not every player on another team's uniform is perfect. And by the way, when the Mets get beat, do you think the fans from the other team are saying, wow, wow, I'm, I'm really fortunate the Mets aren't trying today? No, they're saying their players executed and beat them. Just like the Mets fans say their players executed and beat them. So I, I think that if, as a fan base, you're going to go out there and be piss and vinegar until you get what you want, which is whatever that is, a championship or a team that you deem acceptable or a team that wins a championship, Look, it took the New York Rangers over, you know, what, 1940? It took them over 50 years to get that cup. Um, The Knicks haven't won a championship since 73. There are teams in baseball that have never won. Never won. Look at the Texas Rangers. Um, If you're only going to enjoy, and I even saw this when Howie Rose went after a fan uh, yesterday on Twitter, saying, why are we going to bother with the Kuzmin celebration? You know, this season has gone up in smoke. Well, if that's what your attitude is about, the Mets in baseball, maybe this isn't for you. Really. Because I got to be honest with you, then, you know, even the Yankees have had seasons where they haven't made the playoffs. They haven't won championships in 2009. I mean, if that's, if that's what you want, then go root across town. You know, you could do that. You know, if that's the kind of team you want, makes you feel better. Uh, you know, I don't know what to tell you. Want to root for the Patriots? Go root for the Patriots. Go do something else. Get out of the sports thing altogether. I think Javi Baez is going to spark a conversation, and it's probably a conversation that we need to dive into deeper. But I really think today is about Kuzman, is about Mets history. Steve and I are going to get into Kuzman, learn a little bit of how Kuzman played as he saw him, and talk a little bit about Mets history and the whole Mets Hall of Fame and Mets retired numbers and where that could go. And uh, I'll get his take a little bit, and you'll hear what his take is on this current team. Of course, again, I had a conversation with him right before the Mets played the Nats, so the Javier Baez comments and whatnot are not part of it. But I don't have a problem with Baez's comments. What I will say is he put a target on his back, and he's put a target on this team's back, and they now have to take that. And if that their intent was to use that as a motivating factor to play better and down the stretch. And it's very important, as I've said. Even though I believe at this point... We're playing out the string here. I don't see the math in the Mets' favor. If they're losing to the Giants and not uh, doing their part, you know, I was still, op, you know, not optimistic, but I still felt you play well against the Giants, you win the series, you could still hang around this thing where a nice run as you play the weaker competition, uh, you know, could get you into a scenario where maybe you have a shot as the season goes down to the final couple of weeks. I don't see that now, but I don't think tanking, I don't think giving games away is what this team should do. This team has to go out and continue to push forward, win as many games as as they can. Let's see who's the solution for 2022. Let's see who's not. Some guys like Javi Baez have pushed their chips to the center of the table. Other guys, you know, maybe they don't want anything to do with this. And if that's the case, get them out of here. I have no problem. So I have no problem with what Javi Baez said. There's a burden of responsibility on him now and the team for that. But also I think the fans, especially the toxic fans, should look inward and say, if my whole goal is to come here and be angry when I watch this product, then maybe this product isn't for me. Because as much as they're frustrating and whatnot, there should be a lot of joy in watching a baseball team. And I think there's a very negative, toxic portion of the fan base that needs to learn that and learn that fast. All right, let's take a quick break. When I return, Steve Keen, Bull Society. Him and I talk. Jerry Kuzman, Mets Hall of Fame. Retired numbers. What do we think of who's been making it? Who's next? And tons of conversation about fun moments in Mets history. We'll be back with that and more right after this.
2: He picked up this time. Here is the 2 2 pitch. Swing <laughs>
0: out second strikeout number 11. Here is the 0 2 pitch. And it's in there for a strike three. Kuzma has struck out 12 for the second time this year. It's third again. Here is the 2 2 delivery to Hector Kuzma. inspired a generation of Mets fans and generations after that and to have your number
2: in the rafters of this stadium you inspired the players
0: of the past the present and the future and you brought honor to our family and now our family honors you it's nice to be back in this beautiful ballpark with all you amazing fans I always remember the many years I had the privilege to play in New York, and I'm deeply touched by all of you that came out today in recognition of my number 36 getting retired. I wish I could still fit in my uniform and start over again. Let's go Mets!
3: I'm excited about my next guest. You guys may remember, we actually had a, at some point between my ESPN foray and uh, NYBD and that New York, New York Baseball Digest foray and Gotham Baseball, I had a short span where I decided, let's just talk sports and media before the Talking Mets podcast. And Steve King, Craneful Society, uh, big Mets fan, been around listening, watching his team since the 60s. Who better? The night after, I made an appearance at City Field. That's the thing. I mean, I actually made it to City Field. Steve Keen, Cranepool Society joining me. We're going to talk Jerry Kuzman Mets. Uh, I've been waiting for this because Steve, he pulls no punches on Twitter. Steve, welcome to the program. And if anybody wants to follow Steve on Twitter, I highly recommend it. At Cranepool. That's it. At Cranepool. And he didn't get sued for that.
2: That's the amazing part. How you doing, Steve? Mike, it's so good to see you and hear from you. <laughs> We're, we're going, we're pulling the curtain back. Everybody thinks that, you know, I'm. you're the baby face, I'm the heel. And, you know, now they're, now they're seeing like, you know, it's, it's all coming together. I got gray on my beard. You can see I'm 44. I got gray on my beard now. I'm
3: not the spring chicken I used to be. I, I,
2: see. I, listen, we, we, we all got a little bit of age on me more than you. So, but, you know, we're still feisty. We're still out there. And, you know, you talk about didn't get sued for using crane pool. When I first met Ed, when I was doing the, the um, the website and everything Pimple he said he goes, i heard yep. he said i heard that there was a guy that was doing that he goes you're the guy i said yeah i, I told him how you know i've been met fan since 1964 you're my favorite player and everything he says are oh, you doing good with it i says well i don't he goes all right good i goes you could keep doing it he goes yeah. and, and he, he's been fine ever since i i've spoke i speak to him like you know we text and everything he came on when I was doing a podcast, he came on with me and stuff like that. I've, I've met him a few times at City Field and everything. So me and Ed, we're, we're, we're good.
3: And I was thinking of you, so I go to the ballgame last night, Jerry Kuzman's number's retired. And I don't have a problem with it, Steve. You know, when you start, and this is the problem, you start in this world to go on baseball reference and you start to overthink things. It used to be, and it wasn't too long ago, maybe when we started back in 2005, 2006, 2007, doing things like this, where, yeah, there was baseball reference around, but you were still focused on the standard statistics, and you still focused on the gut and watching a player. And when you put him in context of Mets history, he deserves his number retired. When you put him in a larger context, really good pitcher, uh, not a Hall of Famer. Uh, Some of the numbers, especially wins, losses, aren't there. But I thought it was a nice gesture. I think it's a nice turn. And you and I have been in meetings with the Mets, not recently, about this topic. And one thing I can tell you, a friend of the show, you know, we had Mike Piazza on last year. And one of the things he said on the show uh, to everybody is that trying to get that alumni component going. And you heard Mike say yesterday, Mets family. And I know Steve Cohen and I know that Piazza and Sandy Alderson, who's involved, would like to see this history and a component of this team's history move forward. And I think last night was that first Steve Cohen foray into Mets history, so to speak.
2: Yeah, I you know, it's always been something that's been lacking with this organization. But what I like is that Cohen is an older Met fan. He's he's like he's about my age, a little bit older than me. And the difference with the Mets and Met fans is there are players who we've embraced as Met fans, guys who were not star players, not you know players that people would you know think a Hall of Fame, but when you think about players in the history of the the organization, Tommy Agee, Cleon Jones. Uh, These are guys who they should be recognized. They are, they're they're recognized in the Met Hall of Fame. And, but the younger fans need to know the history of the team. And they need to know what, how this team came about. Why they're, you know, why are there, why is there a New York Met team? Why did the Dodgers and Giants leave? Brooklyn and New York to go to California. Well, how did we get this team back again? Who is Joan Payson? Who's Bill Shea? Who's Branch Ricky? What's the Continental League? How many of these people know what the Continental League was?
0: It yep. all comes together. Great book
2: about that, by the way. Yes, Great book. Well, yeah. How all of that together gave us this met team, and it's you know from '62, Casey Stangle. To Gil Hodges, to Davey Johnson, all these what those eras coming together, and you need to celebrate that. You don't don't worry about what other organizations do. We, we can't. The Yankees have been around a lot longer. The the Dodgers have been around forever. The Giants been. Around. You have your own legacy. You have your own players. You have players on in this organization, who you need to embrace. Now, I wish that you know. I, like we, we were talking before off out how everybody, people clamored for old timers day. How many people are going to show up for old timers day? How many people are going to yeah. know most of you? Who knows Gary Gentry? Who knows John Stearns? Who knows, you know, any of these older guys that played in the 60s, 70s? Me, guys like my age. They I mean, you could go, go to
3: Cliff Floyd. You could go to Cliff Floyd, Fonzie yeah. if they want, that route. I think what's interesting, Steve, it wasn't a bad crowd last night. Um, you had the seven line out in center field, the outer upper tank out in like left and right field. Well, those are bad seats like yeah. out there. You, you, it was empty. And, and really, it makes me think, you know, in an era of iPads and apps and big TVs that are pretty affordable, even if you have a modest income. Am I going to pay even nine dollars? I think on stuff, up, they were going for about nine, ten bucks a seat to go sit in the corner to be at the game. Maybe a postseason game. Maybe. Yeah. Because okay, of the festive atmosphere it takes a lot for a regular season game to hit to that. And uh, that could be part of it. And And I think what's interesting is that the stuff around the stadium, specifically the Mets Hall of Fame, I had a friend of mine call me about two weeks ago, say took my son to the Mets Hall of Fame, loved going to see the World Series trophy. But he's like, it's pathetic. We only have two championships. I'm like, hold, hold, hold on. I go, that's the wrong mindset. Yeah. If you're a Cubs fan, Mets have more titles than the Cubs in the last hundred years. I don't think the Cubs fans... Are sneering at their history. The 69 Cubs don't have a title, but they have Ernie Banks. They've got Randy Hunley. They got Fergie Jenkins. Ron Santo. I know you hate Ron Santo with the clipping, the tapping of the. I, mean, think oh about my God. Today. I Think about that. I look at that. Ron Santo, I'm getting off topic. Ron Santo clicking yeah. his heels. I'm like, oh my God, that would go over crazy today. But you have to start to embrace the history of what is here. There are so many fun, good players that are good players. Not Joe McEwing. Joe McEwing was a cult hero. I'm talking John Olerud and Alfonso who was right. here. Um, you know, ben, guys that Robin were Robin
2: Ventura. Guys like that. That would, Robin that Ventura.
3: Maybe they're only here two, three years, you know, but they were good players. Maybe not every one of them gets a, a jersey retired on the Hall of Fame, but you bring them back and you embrace, and you embrace the moment. So you're watching me in my, my man cave here. I have good moments. I have players that have moments. John Matlock shaking... Uh, 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 hands after a big win, you know, with Jerry Grody, uh, the Grand Slam single, right hitting home run in the World Series, you can't take those away, and that's what I hope we start to realize. You don't have to be the Cardinals or the Yankees to have history. You could you exactly. could have your history.
2: Exactly. I, I feel the same way. I just feel like just embrace what we you know like okay, you brought back the black uniform. I'm not crazy about the black uniform, but you know what? No, I wasn't it's, either. But you know what? That era of the black uniform was one of the best eras in the organization's history. Okay? Sure. That was a great time. That was a great time. I would bring back like the racing stripe. That was another great time. And even once in a while, pull out the old 62 uniform, which just says yeah. Mets on it. No, no name on the back. Just to bring it out. Just have them. Just have people see. This is how you evolve in your. You know, my
3: favorite uniform really is the '69. I have a photo behind me of Seaver going into his delivery. Yeah. I believe it was in the '69 World Series because there's the bunting. Even though the uniform today is similar to those uniforms, I forget the wool. Don't put the wool; they'll die out there. But uh, I really like those retro. I go that route. I really would. The, um, I would. Or even yeah. have like. You know, Friday is Black you know, Black Friday, whatever. Uh, are you allowed to say Black Friday anymore?
2: <laughs> I don't know what you're allowed yeah, to say.
3: Look at Steve Roll. You know, Sunday yeah, yeah. is retro day. You do 86-1. Right. Forget, and I know they have these new city uniforms and the, the different colors, and I'm sounding like I'm... You know, someone told me the other day I'm yelling at the clouds. I'm like, well, I'm 44. Sure. <laughs> Maybe I'm not yelling at the clouds, but like the Homer Simpson <laughs> character. But, yeah. you know, like this is not complicated. Know what every team needs, every company in this country needs a director of common sense. And I'm gonna, I'm going to not, I'm gonna say I stole that shamelessly from Frank Isola on NBA Radio because he said he's the director of common sense for a lot of teams, and he's right because there's so much stupidity out there. And um, you know, you're, right, you know, you, there's so much more this team could do. They used to have, and I'm just gonna come out and say it. You know, I'll get in trouble because you know, God rest soul, Shannon. Uh, is no longer with the Mets. Uh, yeah. Shannon Ford. They had us come in, talk to everybody in this organization about stuff like this. Guys like you, me, Greg Prince, the you know Shannon from Mets Police, whatever his real name is, who hates everybody now. Uh, you <laughs> know uh, the Amazing Avenue guys, Cerrone at Mets Blog, you name it. And I'm like, it took this long, 2021. Those meetings started in 2010, 20, 2009, to start moving the
2: needle forward. They sat there, they listened to us and did nothing that we told them that we thought was what should be done. They just, they, they, they listened and they said, okay, and did nothing. So, it was, I mean, all it did was get us aggravated. I mean. Right. Especially you. It, you were oh, my God. I
3: used to sit next to you in those meetings. Oh I would God. sit next to you with my arms folded. And I, and I, and I, and I didn't want to rock the cage because at that point I'm like, well, I'd like to get more access. But I would say, but one day you and I just had at it with them because I, I couldn't take it anymore. And I'm like, this is stupid. Like, this is just stupid, and I just couldn't take
2: it anymore. The, you know, the, the the best one I had was with David Newman. I couldn't stand him, but and what he's happened, back. And he's I know. back. <laughs> he's back. I don't know why, and he and he has all these allegations against him too, which I'm not shocked by. But you know, I digress. We went over <laughs> this whole thing <laughs> with, with this whole thing with having you know celebrating the Dodgers, and how about putting little Giants in there because we know yeah. that Fred was you know, Fred was one of the Hole gang kids. He was right. just a Dodger. So I say, take your, well, why take, you... your,
3: take your paper bag with your lunch and go to Ebbets Field and yeah. just have a good day.
2: It doesn't matter if so you want to lose. So I, I say to Newman, I said, well, you, you sell Brooklyn Dodger memorabilia in there. Why don't you put some New York Giant memorabilia? He goes, no, we don't have Brooklyn Dodger. I said, you want to come right now to that team store? I'm telling you right now. And he, he I said, you want to see it? And it's in there. There were t-shirts in there, Brooklyn Dodgers with the, the B and the whole thing. hmm Right. Because that's what Fred wanted. So uh, my problem there was embrace the National League history of New York. It's 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 great. The Dodgers, the Giants, the Dodgers, Jackie Robinson, breaking color barrier here in New York City. I mean, where I work downtown, they go to Montague Street. There's a plaque in the building where where the Dodger office was, where he signed those papers. The Giants, Willie Mays, uh, Bobby Thompson, the home run. The Giants—they've been in the the National League since like 1880s. They're an original franchise. Embrace all that. Embrace your National League history, but always put your Met history above it. Because and I mean, if you go, I go out to San Francisco and go to Oracle Park. They embrace the New York Giant history. It's there through the stadium. Three thousand miles away. It's there. They have everything. There's sections in the stadium devoted. To the New York Giants, it shows the legacy. Here's where we started from we were the Gothams, we were the New York Giants, now we're the San Francisco Giants. Just embrace the history of your organization. You have a good history. I mean, anytime the Mets do make the postseason, it's not dull. They come up, there's always something happens in those postseasons that become historic. Yep. Embrace, or embrace all that. Embrace, I mean, you have a fan base that is as passionate as any in the city. Maybe more than any team. I mean, you go, we go on Twitter. You put the littlest thing out there, you get bombarded. By, I know. And, 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 Can't, and do, that Can't do that anywhere else.
1: Facebook is worse.
2: Else. Facebook is like the Skid Row of Met fans right. down there. That Facebook, you don't even want to go near there. Right. They want to. Kill, <laughs> kill. They, they don't want to no. just fire you. They want. They want you executed on Roosevelt damage. They don't. They. They. No, I don't give a.
3: And you know, I know you hate them. Down. I know you hate them. But you know, Nick's Twitter is not too far behind. You know, as much as your oh Twitter, yeah, oh my, that's God. a Shark Tank. Well, you, Nick's Twitter. Well, you, the next thing is, and I and I don't get involved on a media standpoint, but you get into that pool, That's
2: a whole. Well, you, that's a whole nother. You thing. know how I like to get them going. With, oh, they're easy. With my, easy. Yeah, with my Brooklyn
3: easy. Nets. <laughs> yeah, you're a, you know, you're a Celtics fan. What happened? You moved to the Brooklyn Nets now.
2: I started. It's just a long story, but I'll make it a little. I'll. I'll I used to have tickets to the my, – my brother would have tickets for net games in Jersey. I used to go with my wife. There was nobody in the arena. We started going to the games. When my son – I used to bring my nephew when he was little. Then I brought my son. And then my, my sons, they all started enjoying rooting for the nets. And then when they were in school, I used to be able to get tickets. And we bring, like, a whole bunch of guys, kids, and everything, make a day trip. Then when they moved to Brooklyn, my son was old. He goes, oh, we got to go. They're in Brooklyn. They're in Brooklyn. And now I work right near there. And I started going to games. And I'm like, you know, I'm kind of like this. this. is Brooklyn. They got Brooklyn. And uh, you know, I'm a Brooklyn you're, guy. You're a Brooklyn guy. <laughs> so, yeah. So I, I kind of like started fo- following them. And then when Sean Marks took over and everything. I mean, I was. And then when Pearson and, and uh, Garnett got there, I said, oh, they're bringing myself. They're bringing Celtics to Brooklyn. This is good. <laughs> That's it. it. Didn't work <laughs> out. It didn't work out too well. But I, now that, you know, now he's, you know, he'll text me. He goes, oh, you know, it's a game tonight. Why don't we go on Hub? Get, get tickets easy. It's it's easy to get to. And it's an so, easier than the garden. Yeah, it's easier. And it's more yeah. affordable. I mean, obviously. Yeah, oh, it is. Yeah, it is. No, it is. And, yeah. I mean, I walk there. He takes the train two stops. We meet and we go. And we have a good time there. So, I've kind of embraced the, uh, the Brooklyn mentality, so.
3: So, for those who didn't watch Jerry Kuzman, like me, I look at numbers. We see the embrace after the World Series. Uh, one other quick thing before you talk about Kuzman there is a connection between Kuzman and the first three Mets pennants. Kuzman in 69 gets traded for Jesse Orosco, 86. Yeah. People forget Jesse Orosco was reacquired by the Mets in the offseason of 99 to 2000, but was traded for Joe McEwing, who was on the yeah. 2000 team. In spring training of 2000. Think about that. No, first, yeah, it's... Now, Joe McEwing cut it off. He didn't get traded. But you can make the argument that Joe McEwing was David Wright's first mentor. Oh, and he was, David definitely. Wright was the 2015
2: team. So
3: Kuzman may have that connection between four pennant winning teams. Six separations of
2: Jerry. Six separations of Jerry. Six separations of Kevin Bacon. Six separations of
3: Jerry. (laughs) Jerry Why is Jerry Kuzman? Who is Jerry Kuzman to the fan that did not watch him? I didn't see him. I just see a baseball reference page.
2: Well, Kuzman, he pitched only, he pitched in 68, 68 was his rookie year. Now 67 was Siva's rookie year and Siva Came in like, you know, he won Rookie of the Year. It was fantastic. Unbelievable. Now, 68, Kuzman comes in. Now, this is when Gil Hodges takes over. Hodges comes in and the mindset of this organization has, is changing. Because he Hodges comes in and says, listen, there's going to be no more of this lovable loser stuff. We're here to win. Kuzman just misses winning Rookie of the Year. Johnny Bench beats him out by maybe a couple of votes, and that was one of the big things I remember as a kid. Every start that Kuzman made, you would match it with what Bench was doing, and when you look at it, Kuzman should have got the Rookie of the Year. I uh, you, you look at the, at his rookie year, 90, he won 19 games. Mm-hmm. And he pitched 260 over 260 innings. I mean, so, think about those numbers today. Think about those yeah. numbers today. Yeah. And he always was, you know, then as his career, he was always, you know, you know, they talk about like Ron Darling was like always the second game, the, the, the Roddy Dangerfield game pitcher for Gooden. This was Kuzman. Kuzman always got the second game. Siva was the opening day starter every year. But Kuzman, when, when you went into a series and you had it lined up, Siva, Kuzman, Matlack, Siva, or even back then, Siva, Kuzman, Gentry. That's Mm -hmm. a formidable three. And Kuzman, he had the mentality, him and Siva, this is, you know, what what hurts me is that is no longer here and and would have been, this is why this should have been done a lot sooner. Just to hear Siva and Kuzman speak about how they were. Siva and Kuzman, and the other main cock in this whole thing was Jerry Grody. Jerry Grody gets lost a bit when they talk about great catches. Grody right. caught these two guys. And Kuzmin, he, when he had come on the podcast, I did a while ago or years ago too. Uh, many and, years ago,
3: I remember. I remember. He yeah. got himself a uh, little hot water. We didn't talk about that after. Yeah. That. I thought, uh, he yeah, thought taxes I, were voluntary. I don't know about that, I sp- Jerry.
2: I, I, I know all about it. I spoke to off the air <laughs> about this. It's, 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 one, it's a whole nother show. That's a, that's a whole other show. Voluntary. That's whole other show.
3: You can do anything you want in this country, but there's consequences to your actions. Just remember that. If you're listening they, to this program, but, that's the one thing you take away, you know? Yeah, yeah. It, it was
2: just bizarre what he got involved in. But Grody, he told me that when Grody was catching him, that if he didn't make the pitch that, we, that Grody wanted, he would fire the baseball back at him and, and right at his belt buckle. And he, it's when he knew he goes you know i i, I gotta i gotta wake right. up here because I'm not hitting where I'm supposed to be hitting you know Kuzman had he threw uh, upper nineties if not maybe then a hundred who knows we, they didn't really track done. It back then. yeah he he threw he threw hard and he threw what what you could call a heavy ball that kind of just sank
3: yes he thought you about know. that yeah yeah
2: it's yeah you know and it's hard to explain it because it's just it's a ball that it kind of, you, you think of it as something like a rod. It just drops. And he had that with the sinker. The sinker dropped. And he had the curveball that just was 12 to 6, just broke. Yep. So, I mean, back then, that's what you had as a starting That was your, the arsenal. Your bar was those, you had your three. And he, and he, and the thing was too, he was a workhorse. He, he, he I think the least amount of innings he pitched in a year, in a game, was maybe six. He was always good, he, complete games. He was, you know, almost an automatic on a complete game. If that why a complete is, and that's game,
3: why his record is not as good as it could be. Yeah. Maybe
2: because of that. If, if you look record-wise, okay, you're going to say, all right, he's, he's a little bit of above a 500 pitch. But you look at his career ERA. This is a guy that pitched 19 years in the big leagues, right? He's got a, a 3.36 a ERA lifetime.
3: Hundred forty complete
2: he, games. Yeah, I mean, you could you couldn't get one hundred forty complete games now if you played one hundred forty more years. They don't. This is like <laughs> it doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, I mean his strikeout strikeouts is what this guy was a, a work. He was, this guy was a competitor. You knew what, that when he got out there, and this is why, back in in sixty nine, what, what what turned eighty with him and Siva, that you had two cornerstones, and a righty and a lefty. So now this is when Hodges knew what he had. And he said, we can add to this, and we can we can really be good. Nobody thought what was going to happen the next year in 69. Nobody thought that. But you thought, wait a minute, this is going to be no longer the team that loses – they don't lose 100 games anymore. They don't make errors – they don't, they don't look like, you know, they don't look foolish in the field. They're, comp- they're a competitive baseball team. And that's <laughs> when you start to see the attendance start to – the Mets were the first team to ever draw 2 million people. The, the, the Yankees – everybody thinks the Yankees, even when they were in their heyday, were drawing, like, millions of people, and they weren't. Right. So now, you you know, you have him in 69, and him and Siva, it's just – it just goes goes off the rails with those two guys. Because you how are you going to have a losing streak? You had Siva, you had Kuzman, you had Gary Gentry, right? and Kuzma mentioned this too last night at that time in the Met organization, you had about fifty pitchers in this organization who could be big league players you know, and you when you know and this is something I think that's lacking in the, in the team this year, when you know that there is a guy right behind you who's going to take your right. job you right bear down and you say listen i know what i gotta do here i have right. to i have to be the best i can be because there's gonna be they're not gonna wait for me to get any better they're gonna bring an next guy in and he had that mentality and he was just he he off the field like they say he was like the nicest guy great teammate but on the field the guy was focused the guy was you know just like it, it's it's just amazing how him and Seva the, the 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 way they went about their business, the way they pitched, the way you know is what elevated this whole team and the organization. And adding, like I said, with Jerry Grody being their their catcher and Gil Hodges the manager, this was like the perfect storm at the time. For he gets a little business.
3: overlooked, I think, because you have Seaver and people talk about Matlack and uh, and and Gentry. And a lot of times, Nolan Ryan, who was a really sure. good pitcher, I mean, he would be a great guy that comes out, throws three, and he did in the championship series against the Braves, you know, two, three innings, gas out of the bullpen. Didn't know how to pitch yet at that point in time. Uh, we know what happened after. He gets a little forgotten over the years, Kuzma, because of Seaver, because of the Ryan trade, uh, because of 69, because 69 is a bigger than one guy. Yeah. And that whole thing. And really, when you look at that Mets team from 68, really, till about 75, maybe 76, bad offenses. And I, and I think Matt Silverman wrote a book. Uh, Matthew Silverman, I think, wrote a book about right. the 70s. About, Mets.
2: About 70, yeah. Uh,
3: and they tried to like Jim Wynn, they tried to get at one point as free agency came, they tried to get Pete yeah. Rose, Dave Winfield. There's a lot of that don't know. The Mets couldn't build offense and a lot. And I'll tell you another thing. This is maybe a controversial take and you would be the best guy to talk about. Everybody loves Rusty Staub, and he was huge for the 73 Mets. His shoulder injury probably, in some ways, prevented them from winning a World Series. Um, but they gave him a lot of talent in that trade, and they might have been better served holding on to Kenny Singleton and Amos Otis and some of those guys. Now, you don't get the star, but you would have had an overall better collection. Something to think about over there.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Rusty, Rusty was, when he got here, he was tr- just tremendous, and it was his, his contributions on the field. Like what you say, in '73, he crashes into the wall, dislocates his shoulder, does not come out. He was playing with one arm, even when he at bat, he couldn't really swing the bat, but he still made his contribution. When when they traded him, remember they traded him to the Tigers for Mickey Lowich. make a fat and then, pitcher. <laughs> and the thing was, it was a trade of two guys who hated where they were going. Lowledge did not want to come here to New York. He wanted no part of New York and Rusty wanted no part of being in Detroit. And, and then we finally got a good ballpark
3: for him though. When you think about it, Tiger stadium was a good ballpark for his career, but
2: But he he was a New York guy. Right. Once he got here and saw the opportunities he had in New York and being on that team, there was no way he wanted to go. And I think, that, you know, remember remember back then who was in charge, like Donald Grant and you know, he was just like one of these, you know, if he saw somebody was getting ahead of head of something, he didn't want he didn't want them around. No. The thing that hurt, you know, with Kuzman and his career as a Met, and this is to me the thing that almost sinks this whole organization is the death of Gil Hodges. If Gil Hodges lives to be ninety, I'm get telling you. There's more trophies in that trophy case than just what you see now. Right. He was—he was the guy that was making the move. There is no way in hell he was going to allow Tom Seaver to be traded. He would have taken right. out Don Grant like a like a boss. He would have taken <laughs> him out. He but may have been
3: part a- of the front office after his prayer. You don't know what Gil would want it. To
2: oh, do. without a doubt. And then what hurts too is. The, the the way Hodges I mean that was a he died, died suddenly I mean this was like nobody this was like the, 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 there was panic in the organization they they panicked they didn't know what to do right you had Whitey Whitey Herzog wanted that job in the worst way Whitey Herzog was there Whitey Herzog was responsible for the farm system that that were bringing up all these guys sure he was seeing. he wanted that job you also had Bing Divine who had a falling out in St. Louis with the, uh, with Bush, with uh, Augie Bush. And he bolted St. Louis and came with, and he was brought in with, to what with Whitey to be the GM of the Mets, but he hated being in New York. And he ran back to St. Louis, you know, with his tail between his legs. But Whitey wanted that job. When the manager's job went to Yogi, that's when Whitey left the organization. Right. You can look from that time on the decline of the Mets, and the thing that hurts Kuzman is he was caught in that decline, because 77 is like, that June 15th, 1977 is like the massacre day, when Siva was traded, and Dave Kingman, too, they don't talk too much about Kingman, but he, now, after he, after Siva leaves, it's like devastation, it's like, you know, You think my fans are pissed off now with the way this, this, this would have been like a glory. Well, but Steve, I'll tell you what, and I've
3: always said this two things on that. Number one, I had John Pest on the show during, I believe last year during the pandemic, maybe earlier this year. I can't remember. Time flies over the last 18 months talking about Yogi and his career. He had the whole book. Yeah. He was too too nice. He was a nice guy. Yogi. He was old school. Nice. You go out there, you're adults. And he wasn't a great tactician. But I'll tell you another controversial take. You could have had Don Sutton for Tom Seaver. That's been out yeah. there. Mets yeah. didn't want to do that part. That would have been a better deal. Uh, but in today's environment, with the way that people look at trades, the Seaver trade might not have been looked at as poorly. You got a couple of toolsy outfielders, uh, speed, power. You got yourself a young pitcher, and and the other guy was a throw in for the you know Doug Flynn was a throw in for the team. Now a defensive middle infielder. Yeah, but he played, the mechanics uh, he of base, it. Yeah. The mechanics of it, and I don't know who the Reds, Reds top prospect was in 1977. There was no baseball America. If there no. was, nobody was reading it, uh, not mainstream. It's by today's standards, it would not be looked at the same. That's always been my opinion. Now, people get crazy, but you got to think in a mindset today about a rebuilding team. Those are assets that you were bringing in.
2: Well, the the guy who gets like kind of lost in that whole thing is Steve Henderson. Steve Henderson was a terrific outfielder and a really good hitter. He's a, I think he's a pitch, he's a hitting coach today. I don't know if he's yep. I think he was it Tampa big, uh, or something? Yeah. I think so, yeah. He's a hitting coach today. And he was he was very good. Dan Norman was 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 good and Pat Zachary at the time was a, a number one starting pitcher. But you traded the the franchise away. You you just, you know, Right. It, it all it all fell apart when Mrs. Payson died. Her daughter took over. The daughter had no idea what she was doing. She she didn't want anything to do with this, with the team and running the team. You had Don Grant, who was like a tyrant, and he thought that he was going to take over this, this this team and it was going to be his team. And it, it and then what happened was was Joan Payson's husband had to step in. Charles Payson, he had to step in and say, No, listen." This got to sell this because none of us want anything to do with it. We, we're done with it. Right. This was, this was Jones' job. This was Hud thing. You know, this was right. a hobby. So we got to sell this. And that's when we got Double Day and Wilpon. And we know the history there. But when you look at Kuzman, he got caught in that era. And he still, I mean, he and the, the in that 77 season, he lost 20 games. Yep. He lost 20 games. And he wouldn't have bad numbers.
3: He didn't have no. bad numbers.
2: If you look at the numbers he put up, if a pitcher put that up today, he'd be making twenty million dollars a year. Yeah,
3: no doubt. They don't care about, about one loss. Steve, no. what's what do you what do you think is now that Kuzman's a number is retired, I've got I don't think that I think the next retired number is an easy one. It's right. And I don't I think it depends when right's ready to come back. I mean it's been three years. What do you wait yeah. till five years? Maybe next year, maybe the year after. I think they wait on the right thing when right is ready. Um, I think he gets his number retired. Do you agree on that one? That's an easy one, right?
2: He'll get his number retired, but I don't think he's the next one. I think Hernandez really should be the next one. You I think? think so you
3: think there's more. See, that's the interesting question.
2: Yeah. You have
3: Cotter and Hernandez. Now, Hernandez, broadcaster and player. But he's is, Mets Hall of Fame enough him? Because technically, Darling, without the broadcasting career, he's not a Mets Hall of Famer.
2: Remember? No. No, I, I, think I think they, brought him in. I think they did the Hall of Fame for him to uh, for an appeasement. I think that was like, uh, yep. you know. Well, he's got, but,
3: but you got, but the broadcasting has to count, Steve.
2: The broadcasting oh, yeah.
3: matters to me, so I sure don't have it a does. problem with because of the broadcasting. But a lot of people remember Darling came up small in Game Seven of the. I know he pitched in Boston big. Came up small in Game Seven in '86. Came up small in Game Seven in '88. And what a lot. And Darling doesn't talk too much about this. The reason he was traded. After 19, in the middle of the 91 season, he and Bobby Ojeda just they were pains in the neck. They didn't want to come out of the bullpen, they had too many starters when Viola was there, and uh, he was really bad after 1989. You know, he was he was he was a bad pitcher, so I think yeah, that, was, that was part of it. Well,
2: he yeah, he was kind of hanging on there at the end, but remember too when Carter, when, when Carter came here, that trade I'll never forget that trade. I was at Madison Square Garden at a Ranger game, and back then they had sports phone. Nine, seven, nine, one, three, one, three. three nine every, seven
3: six one three one three.
2: Yep. Every every gambler knows that number because that's what you <laughs> did. You call that number uh, to see the scores. There you go. And I turned around and I said, "Oh no, you're not going to believe this." Well, Mets got Gary Carter for UB for UB Brooks. I was like, "What?" Yeah, right. They got Ga- Gary Carter. Whoa. So now when Carter gets, then you get Hernandez. Now Hernandez was the captain. He was the guy that brought it all together. So you have Hernandez. Coming here, doing what he did with this team, winning the whole thing, and now you throw in the, the broadcasting. I think he's got to be the next one. I think he'll be the next one that goes up yet. So I think it's him.
3: Do you think Carter gets his number retired? I mean, is that possible? That it's a tough one. Post yeah, that's, you know, post that's place. a
2: little tougher because if you if you retire number eight, do you include Yogi Berra in that? Hmm. Berra. Berra when I was a little kid, I thought all I thought was Yogi Berra was a Met. He was a coach. He played a little bit. Yeah, he but he was the Yankees. Yeah, yeah. oh, he was the first base coach, and that's right. all I ever saw. And then I felt, right. wait a minute, he played, played for the Yankees. Know, he played right. for the Yankees. He had one of the great careers in the history of baseball with the Yankees. Right. So I don't know if you honor him with that, or right. do you just retire the eight for Carter? Now, right. Carter, you know, And the thing I I feel with Carter is Carter wanted to go in as a Met. He did not want to go in as an expo into the Hall of Fame. But they wanted to make sure that the expo legacy did live on. And he did have better numbers for the
1: expos.
3: That's fact. Yeah. yeah.
2: But, you know, at the time, if you want to be commercial and make money, you want to go in, you want to be known as, you know, New York Met Hall of Fame. Sure, I well, think Piazza made sure he got in as a Met, not a Dodge. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, and and Piazza's it was close. Been
3: on, I'll, I'll tell you though, I'll tell you, and this is, and I've and I've and he's been on the show and he said it publicly. Piazza has a relationship with the Mets organization, it changed yeah. when he was traded here and resigned here. His whole life changed. He doesn't have relationships with the Dodge organization. No, Time of the Soda has passed, and now that Tommy's yeah. gone, it's, 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 I mean, once that off, was we'll the box. The, the O'Malley to Fox ownership contributed yes. to his exit. And with Tommy gone, I mean, he's, he's, you know, he's just another player from the nineties. Right. He's, he's no, they don't, they, I mean, maybe the fans look at it differently, but there's Eric Caros, Todd Zeal. They're all with the, out on that team uh, right. and things like that. Um, so he's as much a Met now. And I think what he's trying to do is be this bridge because I don't get the sense David Wright's too into this stuff. And I don't think David Wright, who's out in LA, is going to do a lot of it. Who else can do it? How much longer can Hernandez and Darling do it? You have to have somebody else. That's Piazza, who's at a level that's even higher than, you know, he's basically Seaver that's left. And and Steve, let's face it, Seaver, and I understand he was sick the last seven years of his life. But he wasn't
2: Mr. Friendly even before that. That was, you know. Well, the thing too with him, you know, remember when the Wilpons owned it, they never invited him to come to him. Right? It's so bizarre then,
3: how they treated metz's history.
2: never to this
3: day, I'd love to ask Jeff why. I'm sure he has a the, reason. The, the, I don't know the why.
2: times that they did invite him. You know, he would say, "Well, you know, can I bring my family?" And well, we can't pay for everybody. The Met, they wouldn't pay. Yep. Him. You know, I'm sure when Piazza comes to New York it's taken care of. Now, I know from when my brother was doing stuff with the Yankees, with Joe DiMaggio, Joe DiMaggio didn't pay for anything. They flew, <laughs> that's they for sure. Steinbrenner would call DiMaggio, hey, Joe, I need you for this weekend to come in. Okay, all right, here, first class air ticket, we fly you here, you stay at the Four Seasons, the whole bit, and that's when he would come. But that's how you take care of these people. This is what, you know, I mean, to bring, they... A guy who could probably be in that group, like you say, to bring the alumni would be Edgardo Alfonso. He, yep. He's still part of this organization. He needs to be given more of a role in this organization because this is a guy. Not only was he great with the Mets, he right. loves being on He loves he the loved, organization. He didn't want to leave. Loves leave. He, yeah. he loves the city. He loves the city. He loves it. He, he, has, he has met blue and orange in his blood.
3: Yep. He's he was managing the
2: Cyclones just a couple of years ago. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, he's a guy. I would try to get Ojeda to get back into this organization. I miss I him so much. On the, I, don't I don't think, he's think so that. either. Well, let, so let me throw some names on for the Mets Hall of Fame.
3: Here's, here's a name that the fans have emailed me a lot about. I talked about earlier in the year. Sid Fernandez, underrated, might have been better than Darling. Probably yeah. looked at differently in today's game because of his strikeout rate. Sid Fernandez,
2: yay or nay on a Mets Hall of Fame. Sid Fernandez, horribly underrated. 86 World Series. His contribution coming out of that bullpen was major in them winning the championship. Now, definitely I'd bring him back. But remember one thing about Sid. Sid was a shy, shy, very shy guy. Probably still is. And I give John Strupp
3: credit on Mets Rewind. He got him on the show. He wasn't the greatest guest, but he gave you a couple of nuggets there. And that's not easy. That's not easy to do.
2: I don't know if he – maybe he would come back once in a while. I'm sure – I know that Hernandez and Darling speak to him. They're still close and friendly with him. Maybe you mm-hmm. can get him to come back for a couple of things. I mean, you know, I would – I don't I don't know how – what What? has transpired in their lives if they're into doing this. Not all these players, I mean, like a John they moved Olerud. On. Yeah. yeah, would a John Olerud come back and say – you know, I, think John, I think John, I think
3: John Olud might, I've talked, i you know, it's been a long time since I talked to him. Here's another name. This might be polarizing because of his mouth off air, but I always liked him and I loved him on Mike and the mad dog going out
2: with them. Al Leiter. Oh yeah. I would, I would try to get, I, I think, I think Al is like, he's kind of like leaving that Yankee thing with, yes, you don't see him too much there.
3: No, he's he doing can, MLB network now. And his MLB son will, will probably will, be in the big leagues of the next two years. Oh yeah.
2: So you'll see him, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, if you bring, you could bring him. And John Franco was out there. I know Franco wants to be, always wanted to be involved in this. Sure. I mean, I don't, I don't know if he still does. I, he, mean, I don't he think he's list.
3: on. St- are you still terrorizing? No, on Staten Island. He, he, is he gone? He's or not is he still
2: there. He's not my neighbor anymore. He mo- he moved to he moved to, to Tribeca. His uh-huh. kids are all grown. So just so the audience knows, Steve would always harass John Franco on Staten Island and run into him. You know. He, he used to come to, if if you if on listen, is it you know, he used to come to Lee's Tavern all the time. I live right near it, and I'd always see him in there. And he'd come to the Little League. I I coached Little League for fifteen years. And right. he would come to the little his son. No, even when he league. was at the Mets, when he
3: started the Mets, I remember running into him on eighty sixth street and eighteenth Avenue at the car wash. He used to oh, yeah. work out I don't know if it was Jack Lane's at the time.
2: There was a gym right near there. He used to work out there in the off season. Well, that, that's where uh, he's from. He was from yeah. over there. Yeah, I also have stories from a time in Chicago when a bunch of guys from from Staten Island. We went out to Chicago and we met up with uh, John and Al Leiter and a couple of guys. But I might save that for the book. I don't know. I don't know if- <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay, let me throw you let me throw you another name. I think, uh, and this guy is is going to be a lot more controversial because he played for the Yankees, David Cohn.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think Cone though has. Planted his flag in the Bronx. I think being on yeah. yes, and I think that that's where he's. I mean, I think that that's where he wants to. Uh, I think that's where he, he wants to be like the Phil Rizzuto. I think he wants to be the guy there for you know 25 years doing that. And he is. I mean, people need to. There's stories with him when he was with. Oh, the man. I got a story. Oh, oh. <laughs> let me tell you, it's not suitable for on air. No, I have a story. No, no. I
3: spoke to Eric Hillman at Mets fantasy camp about 15 years ago when I went, the only year I went. And I talked about that 92 team. And there's a doozy of a cone story with Jeff Torbrook and Jeff Torborg's wife on an airplane, which I will not repeat on air. I'll tell anybody I, off air. Yeah. I'll tell that there story was, air.
2: There you go. there's a few, there's a few ones going out there that from reliable sources who, uh, no, this is reliable. Uh, the person was on yeah. the airplane. Yeah. No, i mean yeah. funny. I, yeah. I, 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 I've, heard, I've heard a few too. I might've even heard one. you're talking I mean, yeah, and I here's think another
3: that's why name. He's- here's another name. This is controversial as well, and I think I, I I read Andy Martino's book, and I don't think he's coming out of his hiding anytime soon. He's very upset. Carlos Beltran, Mets Hall of Fame, not retired number, but
2: not crazy too. If you look at the numbers, Carlos Beltran, probably the best free agent signing in the history of the organization. I agree. He, not not you know he. For some you know he's always going to be known for the bat on the shoulder. Adam Wainwright game, you know the curve. Yep, play. but he was he was tremendous, and he might have made a terrific manager. And I think he needs to get a second shot because look at AJ Hinch. Look at the job AJ Hinch has done sure. in Detroit with the Tigers. Sure. Look at Core Alex Cora coming back
3: to the Red right. Sox. I never liked how he was. He somehow has taken the fall. For everybody and if you read andy martino's book he doesn't talk to many people beltron terry collins is one of the few people he still talks to yeah. and even terry's very upset about what went down now if you read that book uh beltron didn't help himself when he how he handled the media and kind of spoke to joel sherman i believe instead of like david off instead of his bosses when things were going down first you don't not pick up the phone for your boss but pick up the phone yeah. for ken david off with joel sherman you don't do that and then you don't go into a meeting with your bosses. And, and play the ball player I'm not talking I'm going to give you as little as possible You got to bear it all out Because then that gives them reason to be worried That you're going to do that with
2: the press And then it's going to cause a bigger problem Well, that's, that's what cost them the Met job Sure I, if, you, if you come out and just do you know, Throw yourself at them And give a confession And say, listen, this is what we did you know, I'm, I'm sorry for what we did We all got caught up in this whole thing you know i you know i didn't start it i got involved in it i was working with these other guys trying to do all this we we realized what we did was wrong and i i learned from that i mean if i have to take a suspension i'll take a suspension that's what you had to do right don't go you know don't go in there guns blazing like you know you're going to shoot your way out of this and then keep, sure. like you say you know, the, they start looking at that saying, well, wait a minute, this guy has not, you know, he's not contrite at all about this. He's like, you know, he's pushing this. What's going to happen if we have a problem here with something? You and, know, when you,
3: when I, as I'm talking to you, when you look at like advanced metrics, it's no, no contest. Keith Hernandez is way better than Carter and probably deserves because of the broadcasting. Yeah. I mean, he's the Mets Phil Rizzuto. I know I digress here. But he's the yeah. best Phil Rizzuto in the booth. You brought up Phil Rizzuto. Yeah, you're
2: probably right. As the more I look at it, you're probably right on that. I, I I would I and I think I think right when they showed him in, in the LA last, last week when he was there, he's got Leon kids. I guess his, his wife was an actress. I don't know if she does anything. I don't, know what, yeah, I don't know,
3: you know what she's doing now. Yeah. I don't
2: know what she's doing now. I don't know what his health is either with with that back. Well, it's definitely good to listen. He's probably having
3: a lot of uncomfortable nights sleeping. I mean, there's no doubt with I mean, he's got a lot of money to treat it, but stenosis is
2: not going to be something that he can
3: uh, you know, he, you know, he can't play, he can't live comfortably with that.
2: Oh no. Manages. And and you know, he must like living out there in California, sure. cuz he you know, would he want to come come back? I mean, maybe not now. Maybe like in five years, six years. Maybe it's interesting, it you know, it's, but, it's,
3: but it's really interesting because Piazza is going to be holding this baton for a while. And there's only one logical person. But the more I think about it, even if he lived in New York, he just isn't that guy. He just, he's not a guy. I just don't think that David Wright wants to be that guy. I think he was a leader by example. He was a big voice at Clubhouse, but he never was a presence. And that was right. always the criticism of him. Delgado was a presence. Beltran wasn't a leader, but he became a, a leader later on in his career. He was a presence in the clubhouse. Uh, Cliff Floyd was a presence in the clubhouse. Right. Reyes and Wright were young guys with energy and a lot of talent. And that brings me to Reyes. That guy deserves to be in the Mets Hall of Fame, but he probably can't be because of what he did
2: off the field. Or will they forgive? No, I don't think so. I think this, the off-the-field stuff, I don't know. You know that, you know how things are today. Companies don't want controversy. They try to, you know, because if you take somebody who has a past, like Reyes does with the domestic violence, you're gonna get the, a, you know, the social media, the the wokesters will be out. The you know the the social justice. Yeah, the they may be out after
3: this program. They may be out after you. They're, all,
2: they're always out. They're always out. They're, They're gonna so be woke. burning
3: steaks in front. I'm gonna send them to your house in Staten Island. Yeah. Oh, we love them here
2: on Staten Island.
3: <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's Bring right. them out here. Suffolk County, we don't like them any better
2: either. No, really so, yeah. the Wolkes. I, I, I've never seen people who have so much time on their hands. To I be, know. How, how can you be angry about so many things in a day? I don't know. I don't there's understand. a lot of beautiful
3: things going on. Uh, there's a lot of crazy things going on in the world, but there's a lot of beautiful things
2: going on in the world too. So. Yeah, I'm like, but and, and, no matter what you do, you're going to offend people. So, you know, I look like the cancel culture. You can't cancel me. There's nothing to cancel. I, you know, I get well, that's you. the thing that drives the nuts about me.
3: Look, I tell people all the time, I do this because I love it. It fits into my schedule. Uh, I love the fan interaction. The, I get so many beautiful emails. I'm humbled. I mean, I got a decent audience. Am I ESPN level numbers? Of course not. Uh, it grows all the time. I mean, Amazon Music, you know, sends me an email. Do you want to have your pot, your your show in the in the store? Sure, why not? I'm like yeah. they don't do that for you know Johnny Come Lately sit home and, and is you know uh, you know I love what they say. I'm in my mom's basement. Well, if you saw yeah. how much my mom's basement that I pay for a cause, <laughs> you, you probably would would want it. But um, you know, this is fun. There's a lot of fun stuff going on over here, and it's you know, it's,
2: it, but. It's the same people who get angry. I get angry over everything. I'm like, my God, you're gonna have. To- There's a very toxic portion
3: know. of the fan base right now. We'll oh, get yeah. to that as we go on the way out. Mainly, in, in what I saw at the ballpark last night, it was it's on Twitter, maybe a little bit on WFAN, but you could turn the dial off on WFAN. No one's really. Uh, it's on Twitter, and I'm not. And I think it's a little. I don't want to say it's younger because I, I don't. I can't say it's an age group. It's a toxic fan base that even was upset. That in this season, the way it turned out, well, why would I bother with Jerry Kuzman Day when they're not winning? Yeah. Well, that's not what this well, that, is all about. That
2: said that's how not what that was yesterday one. was about. That said how he rose off yesterday. Man. I
3: know, and I'm glad how he went after and dropped the mic on that guy. Because if that's how you're going to root for this team, I don't care who you are. You're going to be miserable most of the time. Winning is hard. Uh, even for the Yankees, winning is hard. Building a team Extremely is hard. hard. Um hard. This is a hard thing, and, and, and I think if your goal every season is to be miserable, where I think there's a portion of the fan base that want to be miserable, uh, then you're going to be miserable because you're always going to be unhappy, you know? Uh, yes. Look, if this yes. team averaged four and a half runs a game, they'd be in a really oh, great yeah. spot. Last night was a, a synopsis of who they are. They score five runs. They got a really good bullpen. Uh, the starting pitching is really good. Their defense is really good they win. They can't score. You can't score at the level of 29-30 teams. Uh, 28 teams in the league can't be better at you offensively and expect to win. They should really be Baltimore Orioles bad if you really want to talk about it. But uh, One well, last guy though, Steve. One last guy. Howard sure. Johnson. Before we get to that, Howard Johnson.
2: Very interesting. Howard Johnson. Remember, he managed the Brooklyn Cyclone. 30-30 club. That was a big deal back 30, in the 30-30 club. That would he be a belonged, big deal today because nobody's still he loved it. by teammates. He was on the broadcast the other day. His mm-hmm. grandson. I was didn't, gonna, how was he? I, I, heard, I missed
3: it. the segment because I was watching it on mute. How was uh, How was Hojo? What any interest? I know his grandson had some health issues
2: and stuff like it, that. His, but... his grandson had. There was an accident where a lawnmower ran over, over his foot. foot yeah, and yeah. and it seemed that a lot of guys old players and stuff have helped him with the financing and stuff you know getting the kid help and everything it seems the kid is really back on track very lucky
3: very lucky yeah
2: you're very very lucky and hojo now is he's he's like a he's working in a high school as a batting coach i think he does like private lessons and stuff Mm -hmm. and i guess that's how he's making some some money and i mean i would he he managed the cyclones He, he he was the manager and Bobby Ojeda was the pitching coach. I know was like around two, 2000, 2000, uh, Yeah, maybe two when they first came into the league. So maybe
3: f- oh, maybe oh, 05, because Hojo went to the big league club when they right. fired Ro- uh, Tom Robson. Right, uh, and he was the hitting were going coach bad
2: then. Right, I would, I would definitely bring him back now. I mean, they have to do something. But retire Hojo's <laughs>
3: number? Is he worthy of a no? I, retired I don't meet, know. But, uh, Mets Hall of Hall Fame. Hall of Fame. Not retired. Mets Hall of Fame. Not
2: Mets Hall of Fame. I don't think so.
3: No Mets Hall of Fame. Uh, retired number, let's, let's just make this clear. No, the the ti- yeah, that's We're true. talking Mets Hall of Fame. The only retired numbers you could even debate right now are right right for sure. Oh, right. And gonna, that's right it. Gonna There's nobody in. else. Everybody else is a ceremony like they, we saw a few weeks back with Alfonso and everything. And oh, let me ask, I have to ask your reaction. Ray Ardonius and Carlos Piagra, I'm getting old, man, when I saw how they look, man.
2: Wow. Woo! You, oh you had to see me sitting here trying to explain to my son. Ray Odom how great he was as a shortstop, and he's. I said you don't know. I said I said you run that. You go on that YouTube, look it up. Uh, I I I will tell you he was tremendous. I will tell you.
3: Couldn't I? I got to give you this this before we get to the team because I know we're going long here, and I apologize. I kept you long. It's okay. Fun. Um, 1996. I go to opening day after the you know strike happens. You know, ninety five went to a few games. But there was a lot of excitement in that 96 team because of Generation K. It was a game the Mets were down 6 nothing to the Cardinals and came back. And Ray O'Donoghue threw somebody out from his knees, Royce yeah. Clayton. That's not what I remember. Because that play happened so fast that when you're in the upper deck, you can't really – other than it was a great play, you don't know yeah. the knees. What I remember is his lateral movement at shortstop, how eye-opening it was for me as a fan – you know, you had Santana leading up to that, Jose Vizcaino. Kevin Elster was a really good shortstop. Elster,
2: very good, right? very good.
3: But, and Howard Johnson played a little short. Mm-hmm. I think Schofield was a nice shortstop. People remember, yeah. Mets had him. Uh, but Tony Fernandez, briefly, briefly before he decided yeah. this wasn't for me, let me go back yeah. to Toronto and win a World Series. <laughs> Ray Ordonez, eye-opening lateral movement from day one you knew this was not normal. And he couldn't hit, and he never figured out how to hit. Yeah,
2: he But he, in a
3: town that was all about Jeter, I don't care what anybody oh, says. Ray Ordonez was beyond superior. The only knock I'd give on Ray Ordonez is because he got to so many balls in the hole, he made a lot of throwing errors because he tried to throw everybody out. But he improved on that as time went on. He, he was his own
2: shift. He, yep. You didn't need a shift with him. Nope. No matter what you hit the ball, left, right. And Lindor yeah. is a good shortstop,
3: but Ray Ordonia's is better. No,
2: he's not. He Ordonia's is like special. And I, I I tell my son, I tell young guys, just see if you can find clips of it, and just watch how he played. He was unreal as a shortstop. The knock against him was he couldn't hit. He was like a two hundred. He he was he just could not hit. When you had these teams back then, you didn't need him to really be the banger. He just, if he played that, that solid defense behind that pitching staff, you had, you, you had a winning team.
3: Right. All right. This current team, um, the Mets, this current team. Yeah. Uh, I, look, I'm not in the fire Rojas camp. I don't think it's his fault right now. Uh, people have to understand you're not, you know, Buck Showalter, Bruce Boche.
2: Madison, they're, not, that, no. they're not coming Those back. Those days are season. over.
3: Those days, Those days are, are over. Just bring in another manager. Uh, and he, here's what I would say. First about Rojas. Uh, I listened to Ken Hill. on a. There's two podcasts you should check out, Steve, if you haven't. Mad Dog's doing a podcast about teams that almost won it uh, called Digging Up the Past. It's for free, right. even if you don't have serious. They did an expose one. And Brett Boone has a podcast. with. I mean, Albert Bell was on it for two parts. Yeah, yeah got that. I mean, great conversation. Different perspective on Albert Bell. But Ken Hill was on. With Mad Dog talking about the '94 Expos and why did they like Felipe Lu? He had knowledge of the game. He communicated very well, and he put them in positions to win. Uh, Felipe Lu has a horrible record as a manager outside of a few years. Uh, you can't criticize the manager when a team is not hitting. Uh, you want to criticize the hitting coach? I've talked to former ballplayers who say I can't even remember who my hitting coach was some years. It's on them. It's on them. I think he manages the media fairly well. I think what his problem is, he's not entertaining. I think the problem is the fans the media want entertainment. They want Jerry Manuel, but they want competent manager. You don't, you don't always get both. Ross is a baseball junkie. Is that fair to say? So you get baseball junkie interviews or bland interviews on there. Um, as far as the front office, they took over November 1st. This was chaotic from the start, but I think they have a good bullpen. I think they have good pitchers. I think the depth will be better because now you have a full minor league season. I don't think they, they have cash flow now with Cohen unless things change with him. They're not like a rebuild team. They're a team that needs to bring in some different and better offensive players. Um, and I think they need to hold on to some of their free agents like Stroman. I think I'd hold on to and try to figure out how to keep Aaron loop in that bullpen together. Uh, I don't think it's all bad. And I think uh, this unfortunately like 2019 when the bullpen was this crazy bad anomaly that sunk them, the offense is going to go down as this crazy bad anomaly because I don't think Michael Cofforto is this bad. I don't think all these guys are this bad. That will that sunk them.
2: I don't think it's Rojas's fault. I think Rojas is, is a good baseball guy. He's been in this organization for 15 years. He's done just about every job. But if I'm the owner, I fire him today. I fire him after today's game because right. I need to send a message. This team is just too comfortable. This is hmm. a bunch of 26 guys who are extremely comfortable, who don't seem to grasp what's going on this season. You were in first place. You had a seven-game lead. You had, this, was the, the year, this division was supposed to be nip, you know, nip and tuck all year. It ended up the, 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 the Nationals, they, they said, you know what? We don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. We're just selling off. We're done. The Braves, they lost Ronald Acuna Jr., an MVP candidate. They said, well, you know what? We're going to retool this team. But they were down. The Phillies can't get out of their own way sometimes. Then all of a sudden, Dave Dombrowski is, well, listen, I'm going to switch a few things up. They started winning. What did the Mets do? They didn't do anything. They brought in Javier Baez. Okay, that's all you did. But now when you're losing and you've lost so many games, not just losing games, but you've lost games in the standings. And every night, Whether it's him and Peter Alonzo, who I love, I hope Alonzo's here for 20 years. But you got to stop telling people everything's fine. We're going to be good because you can't do that to this 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 fan base. This fan base sees right through you. You cannot do that. Rojas can't come on there and say, you know, uh, we had some good at bats. We hit the ball hard.
3: Nobody. It's baseball. That's baseball junkie talk. That's that's what you do in team meetings. Right.
2: But you know what he's doing? He's being the good manager. He's like taking he's sticking up for his players. Right. But there comes a time when you got to just say, listen, I don't know what's wrong with these. I'm trying everything. And Peter Lonzo can't come up there smiling and telling it's not okay." Now, is it as bad as everybody tries to make it? No, no. I still have, think they'll
3: finish 500, and I think they'll finish with. I'm going to say they're going to finish with 82 to 83 wins, which is underachievement. But that's a failure. Two player roster with a 62. I mean, think about it. They've had to go 62 deep this season. What's yeah. disappointing is you expected this kind of offense with the replacement's back in May. You got more offense at times from the replacement's than you do from these guys.
2: Yeah. I think that's right. it.
3: But I'll ask you this is it sitting Michael Conforto? sending a message maybe not verbally but that's sending a message to me I mean Conforto's not playing every day it's very quietly done Kevin Pilar started last night Conforto was a pinch hitter with the big hit um yeah it is who I think is a good catch and throw guy uh he sat him for a little bit with Thomas Nito uh J.D. Davis out of the lineup you know what I'm saying uh you really can't do anything with Baez right now I mean this is who you got Baez is a winning player but he's a player that'll drive you crazy. He's a player. Anybody gives them a seven year deal. They're out of there. They have rocks in their head. That's all I say. You want to come back on a short term deal? Let the Cubs give you seven years. I, I don't think he's going to get that,
2: but you know, no, he, the, the market for him is not going to be what he thinks it is. There's a glut of shortstops that'll be on the free agent market. If, if he, you know, if he takes a three year deal with the Mets, then it's worth it. Now, the thing is, you're sending these messages and you're still, you know, I still think a lot of these guys. Are, you know what happens is when you look to see there's nobody behind you, you get comfortable. Yeah. There's nobody. There's nobody in Syracuse that you're bringing up right. that's going to take over for some of these. Guys. Right. But and that's now,
3: not Rojas's fault. That's not even no, no It's Zach not
2: Scott's fault. But, but I'll agree with you that they are starting to do something, like you say, by sitting Conforto, sitting Dom Smith, sitting yep. J D Davis, and Rojas came out and said, "Listen, we're going to." You know, whoever hitting is going to play and we'll find a place to put. And they're getting
3: more aggressive on the base pad. The one criticism I can have of of Rojas here, and this could go, and we don't know the dynamic with the game plan. now. Remember this game plan is the front office might be saying, hey, stolen bases are overrated. We don't want to lose runners. Put pressure. The criticism I have is now they're putting a little bit of pressure with Rillandor on the bases, maybe with Baez, Nemo, uh, is they don't take a lot of walks. They don't hit a lot of home runs. There's no pressure on the other team. at all the other pitcher there's no pressure even last night they they hit the three-run homer those pitchers were never really constantly in trouble and that and that's and that's a problem
2: you're you're going up now against these guys with the the nationals who the national bullpen was terrible even when they won a world series now they've they've gotten rid of guys you're bringing up guys now that are you know triple a they're not they're maybe atlantic league quality pitchers. so you should be banging them now my right. problem is I don't know if you saw all this. Yesterday. When I'm at the game Wednesday, I'm watching the Giants put on a clinic on defensive shifting. Mm-hmm. They it was like they knew where to go for each player. They shifted every every player on the Met. Yep. Now one left-handed batter on the Met. I'm they telling don't go you the that there way. was there was a, no. a Grand Canyon between. Right, you know what was on one the of the side. more
3: impressive at bats this year? If you remember the walk-off hit by Drury when he went the other way on the slider. Yeah. And I, and Keith, and and if you remember, they showed the booth, they do those clips with the booth is, yeah, you see their reaction. Keith was like, you know, there That's you go.
2: Because and the, it's, it's easier
3: said than done. I completely get it. But it's got to be a, I, I don't know if there, uh, here's the only other thing I could say about the offense. One, maybe it's not that good. I had questions about Dom. Everybody had questions about JD Davis. Jeff McNeil, I think it's physical a little, a lot mental. But I wonder if his lower half—you know—he had tired
2: legs. Well, you have tired Hernandez legs. Mentioned, Hernandez mentioned that last night. He says he doesn't look like he's running. He looks like he's running on eggshells. Yeah, he it, doesn't. Something's look, physically yeah.
3: wrong with him. But he's playing, so I wouldn't give up on McNeil. But I think the other thing that bothers me is—and you could just pay attention—if they flash, if the camera flashes to the dugout, they always before that at bat are looking at that iPad or something on that iPad. I I don't think the mind, you have to think of the human mind. The human mind has to get into a zone and focus at the task on hand. The prep is for pregame. Yeah, you could go down and watch video, which I still think is not great during the game, but to be on the on-deck circle, watching an iPad, looking at heat zones, cluttering your mind before you get up to the plate, I think is a problem. And I think that's part and parcel to the analytics-driven nature of this team. And... It didn't matter if you had Chili Davis there. Maybe it wouldn't have mattered. But I I think just the way they've approached the offense from the firing of Chili Davis to a lot of the stuff they're jamming, it's clearly not working. So the criticism is, well, they're not doing anything. Well, no, I'm telling you, they're doing a lot, and they're probably doing
2: too much. Go out there and just hit. The hell with it. At this point, what do you got to lose? Well, that's – I mean, Keith Hernandez says this constantly. They need to take those iPads out of the dugout because, like you say, sometimes it's overloading with, with things in your head showing you things that when you get up to the plate, you're not able to react. You're too too busy thinking about what you got to do instead of just reacting. I mean, if, you, if you're if you left-handed and they're putting a, a severe shift on you to the right side, you can't look and say, if, if "Yeah." even if I bunt, if I choke up and just put the back elbow in and come through and just try to get it towards that, it's going to roll down the line. I got an easy double. Yep, and and I don't know, I don't know why some of these guys. Maybe they're not, you know, if you had like an older players and stuff, if you had more veteran type players, they might say, you know what, keep that, right. okay, keep your philosophy to yourself. Here's how I got to the big leagues. Here's how I'm going to do it. Right. And I guess guys don't want to go against what the coaches are telling them to do. But right. it's, I mean, I'm watching that game on Wednesday, and I'm like, the Giants. It's like it's like it's choreographed shifts. They know, right. they know each guy. They know, okay, we, who's up? Dom Smith? Okay, he's going to pull. So let's put right. five guys this way. Right. And I'm saying, you got this whole left side. Come on. I mean, just put that elbow in and just go the other way with it. Now, Dom's problem is he cannot hit that back foot slider for anything. That back foot slider. His, the, his pitch it, recognition, is strength oh. his strike zone recognition is bad. Dom shocked. Smith I, a,
3: swings at more balls and puts himself in bad counts
2: than most of those guys. And I, I'm Maybe a tremendous – I love Dom Smith. I I think he's – I think that he's real. He's really good. But I don't know what it is with him this year. He has some kind of a thing. When they – all you – if you just keep throwing that back foot slide at him, Can't he's going to go for it. He's going to go yeah. for it. And he's just going to yeah. swing him in. And he's going to look Fast – Fastball high – actually, fastball high
3: and inside, another one. He could be in the – up in the count 2-0. and oh. Instead of being up 3-0, oh, swings, fouls it back, misses – can't you know
2: yeah. yeah like you say pitch recognition is not a very not this year is not right i mean last year he put he, in, in the short season he was he did very well and most right. of these guys did but now this year i i, I don't know i i it's like a, the whole team can't hit it's like and when his runners in scoring position they're terrible it's like i don't know if guys are if they're too tight when they get up there when they see guys <laughs> on base if right. now that now that they're thinking you know what we're, we're so bad at this i, I I mean, Alonzo, um, Pete Alonso came up with the bases loaded the other night, you know, in the ninth inning. And that that game right. could have broke it up. All you needed was a base sure. hit. That's it. The base nobody hit, yeah. they don't shorten up. I never, you know, they don't just sit, come up two inches on the back, shorten it up. Have in your mind, I just got to drive the ball. I just got to drive it, and, I, and we'll right. win the game. And that's it. Worst yep. is we'll we'll tie it. You know, if one run we, we tie it. If, right. If I hit two runs come in, we win the game. You don't need there a grand slam,
3: but there you know. Go. It's... you digress well steve this has been a lot of fun it's been a long time it's been to, great you it's it's you been know, great we have uh, steve keen Cranepool society at Cranepool on twitter so now when i unleash the hounds on you after they listen to this you got to come out with the fastball on that and and what's going to drive steve nuts this year is when the knicks are the darlings the basketball town in this in this in this market and the nets <laughs> are the basketball version of the CCP, the Chinese
2: Communist Party. And, 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 and everybody loves the Knicks. Everybody hates you, Brooklyn. And you, you got to go. come with me to the Barclays Center. We have to see a game one night. <laughs> and then when the parade is on Flatbush Avenue, you know I work oh for the God. city. I'll get us good seats.
3: You know what? At this point, I could deal with Yankees winning. I could deal with some of that stuff. I think you could have dealt with the Islanders winning a cup. Maybe. you could.
2: No. No, you no. couldn't.
3: That was nope. close. You came close nope. to
2: seeing that. Oh, listen, I tell you, of all the teams like that, that I should hate, I hate the Islanders more than any – I hate oh, them geez. more than the Yankees. Oh, I can, I am so glad they are out of that Barclays Center. They they, soiled <laughs> – they soiled, they soiled, they soiled the Barclays Center. Oh, I used God, to watch them great. come off – I used to watch them walk around downtown and they coming off the train and they don't know where to go when they're downtown and they don't know where – They're funny. all out of – you know they're out of their element. They, they they've taken the train <laughs> here and we and out of here. I've, I, and and I, I'm I mean I've gone to I've gone to a couple of islander games that were there that were wrecked, um, at at Barclays and it's. Uh, Listen, you have a good Sunday. Enjoy the rest you of the too. season. We'll do this again, my friend. Alrighty, I'm always here. But my fingers are ready to go. You know, right. hit the, hit, the, hit the toilet I won't take them all on. All right, Steve Keen,
3: Crane Pool Society, good stuff. I want to thank Steve. Hey, I'm just going to go into the outro. I think you guys enjoyed that nice conversation. Uh, yeah. A lot of things still not great going on, but a nice night at City field. Like I said, in the open, uh, just go out there, enjoy the game. You know, we're in that part of the season where we're probably paying, playing out the string short of something miraculous happening, but we're looking to see who's a solution on this team. That's the important part. No tanking what's the solution who are part of the 2022 team we're watching closely from from the you know front office all the way down so that's what we're gonna do want to thank steve keen for joining me today if you want to check him out on twitter at Craneful, great mets talk brooklyn nets too if you're a basketball fan you can check me out all the time at the send me a tweet at mike silver media and you get the show on Apple podcast spotify now amazon music or any podcasting service you desire I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. We'll be back with another Talking Mets podcast pretty soon. Till then, take care, everybody.